Hello everyone, you are listening to Cinema 5000. Uh, it's me, I'm Mallory, uh, this is my podcast, and I'm coming to you from the year 2024, not the future, just 2024. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the Rewatch Recap episode. I do one of these at the beginning of every new quarter through the year, so this episode will be covering the months of October November and December of 2023 and all the movies I gave another look so that's something I've seen before and then I go ahead I watch it again and I tell you what I thought about it uh otherwise for the general uh podcast numbers and stuff um we are currently at 5,390 films uh and in fact today New Year's Day I watched four movies, and you might be like, what's wrong with you? Hey, that's what I do. Um, (laughs) But I got a lot of stuff done today. Like, for today, I'm killing it. Like, the first thing I wanted to do today was watch Little Women, which is the Greta Gerwig one. While I was like, I need to watch it. I need to cry my eyes out the entire time. And I did. (laughs) I've been feeling... Man, I've been feeling, like, kind of weird. Like, there are things that have got me emotional, but I just haven't had the tears flow. So, I was just like, you know, you need to watch Little Women. You need to get all the feels. And that made me think about a lot of things. But this podcast isn't about Little Women. We'll talk about that uh, in April. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I had to watch four movies. I didn't have to watch four movies, but I did watch four movies. But I also got some chores done I needed to do stuff around the house. I wasn't going to leave the house. And then come to find out, uh, there was a Regal mystery movie tonight that I was convinced would be the new Jason Statham movie, The Beekeeper. So I like canceled my ticket. I was like, I think I just need to stay home. I'm so glad I did. Uh, I guess it was like some kind of low budget horror movie called Founders Day and like the letterbox reviews are just rolling in and they're all terrible. (laughs) So let's just say for me staying home, getting all the stuff done I wanted to do today and then having the time to watch four movies, this is like the most successful day I will probably have in the entire year of 2024. (laughs) But anyway, you don't care about that. You care about what movies I've been rewatching and what I thought of them. So, the first rewatch for the October, November, December months that I had actually didn't come until October 18th, where I rewatched the movie Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson and featuring voice acting performances by the likes of George Clooney and Meryl Streep. Uh, If you've never seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, I highly recommend it. Uh, It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just such a brilliant adaptation of the story. And the Wes Andersonisms are all there in stop motion animation. And like the look of everything is just so beautiful and cute and not overdone. Like it's not stylized to the point where like it's all Wes Anderson you know what he does um but it's like in this world of animals and the design it's just beautiful um let me read the tagline the tagline is dig the life fantastic the fantastic Mr. Fox bored with his current life plans a heist against the three local farmers the farmers tired of sharing their chickens with the sly fox seek revenge against him and his family I gave this five stars I love this movie so much 
the first time I ever saw it in a theater was right after it came out. Well, actually, the first time I ever saw it, rather. Um, I I was of the age where I could go see a Wes Anderson movie in a theater by myself. I think I ended up taking my brother to go see it, if I remember correctly. And it was like a sold out showing. And it just was like, everybody was laughing along, having a good time. For a Wes Anderson movie, it has such humor that is like comedy humor, not Wes Anderson humor, in such a fun, wonderful way. And George Clooney's performance is just really great. And He's a flawed man, but he's so lovable. And his wife, Miss um, Fox, um, she's very frustrated with him at times, but she loves him so much. Like, she knows who she married. It's it's a wonderful, it's kind of a family comedy drama. And then the stuff about the chickens. And then you got Willem Dafoe as the rat. It's just, it's great. It's a five-star, fantastic movie. Like, wouldn't change a thing. Um, <laughs> let's move on to October 28th. Guys, I saw Barbie again. <laughs> this, I think, was the fourth time I had seen Barbie. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be the last one on this episode, but that's what I did on October 28th. And then on October 29th, I went down to Boston to the Coolidge Corner Theater for their horror marathon, which is a 12-hour marathon. Uh, and I had seen all of the movies they were showing. So it wasn't, well, all the movies I knew they were going to be showing at that point, but um, they were going to open with Rosemary's Baby, which I have, of course, seen many times. I think Rosemary's Baby is fantastic, like such a classic horror thriller. Um, let me read the summary. I don't remember if I actually do that often with the recap of reading the summaries and re uh, taglines, but um, the tagline is, pray for Rosemary's baby. A young couple moves into an infamous New York apartment building to start a family. Things become frightening as Rosemary begins to suspect her unborn baby isn't safe around her strange neighbors. It's just such a fantastic, creepy movie. Uh, Maria Farrow is, like, excellent. Uh, John Cassavetes is excellent as her husband. And Ruth Gordon, oh my gosh, as Minnie Castavet. Oh, the neighbor, you know, she's, <laughs> she's so great. Um, yeah, if you've never seen Rosemary's Baby, I would definitely recommend it. Classic. I gave that four stars. That's directed by Roman Polanski. And then the next movie they showed was Suspiria from 1977, directed by Dario Argento. Uh, the tagline is the most frightening film you'll ever see. Now, I don't know about that, but the summary goes like this. From the moment she arrives in Fiegberg, Germany, to attend the prestigious Tanz Academy, American ballet dancer Susie Banyan suspects that something horribly evil lurks within the walls of the age-old institution. Now, this isn't a very deep film or anything like that. Argento is all style here, but I love it so much. It's so incredible to look at. And it was great in a the theater, too. I had never seen it in a theater. And the uh, horror marathon is all projected on 35mm film, so you get the wonderful actual feeling of being in a theater watching a film on film, which is different than digital. It really is. Uh, I, I feel that way for sure. I know some people do, too, but, I mean, some people just don't care. But whatever. Um, I gave Suspiria five stars. I've been kind of wondering if I maybe think if maybe that's too high maybe I'm just like high on the style of it but whatever I really like that movie <laughs> um the next movie they showed was the Blair Witch Project which I hadn't seen actually since it first came out in theaters 
I went and saw this in the theater with my dad and my sisters. We like begged our dad, dad, please take us to the Blair Witch Project, which if you haven't seen it, it's from 1999, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, when this movie came out at Sundance Film, the Sundance Film Festival, people questioned whether or not the people in the movie were actors or real people who disappeared. So a lot of it was like viral hype around this movie until it came out. And I knew about it from watching Siskel and Ebert because I did religiously at that point. Uh, and Roger Ebert was a big fan of it. So the tagline is the scariest movie of all time is a true story. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Now, I am a much different person than I am when I first saw this movie because I was 14 when it came out. And now, as a woman who is getting much older, um, <laughs> there were things about it that I'm actually surprised aged pretty well. Like, suspense-wise, this was very enjoyable. Um, I won't lie, I did fall asleep a little bit during it because I had it was late. At that point in the night, it must have been, oh God, it was probably rounding around 4 a.m. or so. Um, but it was, it was still like fun to watch in a theater. Like it has good editing, good pacing. It's not deep or anything. It's just people going out in the woods and suspecting some stuff is going on, hearing things in the night and then stuff goes down, but it's a good time. So that's the Blair Witch Project. Then uh, <laughs> the host of the Coolidge Marathon, Mark, uh, he wanted us to all say that we were definitely not going to be watching a print of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from 1937. Uh, Mark, it was a witch-themed night for the marathon, so Mark was like, we're, we, we're, do, we're definitely not showing this movie we tried to get a print from from the studio, but uh, we definitely are not watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> he said like the original witch movie I was shocked like so shocked he showed this movie and I don't even want to know how we got the print but we watched it um I actually really love Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and I won't lie I did doze off a little bit during it too because that's what you do at like five in the morning <laughs> but I don't read need to read the summary on that one it's a classic from 1937 uh the next movie they showed was The Conjuring I'm not a fan of this film series. Um, the first one came out in 2013, directed by James Wan. Um, the tagline is based on the true case of Files of the Warrens. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. Forced to confront a powerful entity, the Warrens find themselves caught in the most terrifying case of their lives. My problem is that a lot of the directorial choices and pacing for this movie is just like nothing new. It's not very exciting. The Warrens are like snake oil salesmen anyway, and it's just it's just okay. I gave it two and a half stars, mostly for uh, Patrick Wilson uh, and what's her name? Oh gosh. Um, I'm going blank. I'm going blank. Hold on. Let me get it. I am seeing her face. Uh, yeah. Vera Farmiga. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have really good chemistry as the Warrens. They make the series work to that degree, but I don't think the movies are that great. Um, <laughs> the next movie though was The Craft from 1996, directed by Andrew Fleming. Um, oh, and I give The Conjury two and a half, two and a half stars. Um, the tagline is Welcome to the Witching Hour. A Catholic school newcomer falls within a clique of teen witches who wield their powers against all who dare to cross them, be they teachers, rivals, or meddlesome parents. 
I had not seen this movie since the 90s. It was something I had watched a lot as a teenager. Uh, the first time I ever saw The Craft was actually at like a sleepover on Halloween. And I loved it so much. Like loved the characters, loved the actresses. I mean, it's got Robin Tooney, Feruza Ball, Kniff Campbell, and Rachel True as those three witches. And of all the witch-themed movies, um, besides the classics, like this is my favorite of those that were shown. Um, because like Rosemary's Berry Baby, Snow White, and Suspiria, all classics, but I really like the craft. I gave it three stars. It's like not perfect and all and it's got some choices in the script um, for how these w women interact, um, uh, but I do think it was really fun to watch on film and how it looked because it wasn't cleaned up or anything like that, and it felt like I was going back to a theater in the 90s and enjoying it as a good time. Uh, and I actually picked up a DVD of The Craft shortly after watching this in the theater because I just... I didn't really realize, like, how much this movie, like, really entertained me and how much really stuck with me after all those years. <laughs> it's a good time. Um, <laughs> uh, don't watch the sequel. It's not great. Um, but that was the Coolidge Marathon. I think they showed another film at the end, and I think I left before it was played. I can't remember. Shoot. God, what was it? Okay, I'm gonna have to think because I stayed for the craft. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, shoot, I don't remember, but that's okay. It was something I was gonna leave during anyway because I just was like, whatever, I don't care. Um, so now let's go ahead to November. November 10th, I rewatched the movie. Roadhouse from 1989, directed by Rowdy Harrington. The tagline is, Dalton lives like a loner, fights like a professional, and loves like there's no tomorrow. The double deuce is the meanest, loudest, and rowdiest bar in the south of Mason-Dixon line, and Dalton has been hired to clean it up. He might not look like much, but the PhD-educated bouncer proves he's more than capable, busting the heads of troublemakers and turning the roadhouse into a jumping hot spot. But Dalton's romance with the gorgeous Dr. Clay puts him on the bad side of cutthroat local big shot Brad Wesley. Whoa! Okay, so <laughs> if you didn't know, Dalton, James Dalton, is played by Patrick Swayze. He's fantastic in this movie. The bad guy, Brad Wesley, Bangazara. You would never assume. <laughs> but he's aided by Dr. Elizabeth Clay, who's played by Kelly Lynch, and Wade Garrett, played by Sam Elliott. Now, this is a pretty, um... <laughs> It's a fun film. It's not a perfect film. It is kind of strange in some respect of how it's got this like throwback, almost like 70s uh, B picture quality to it, but it's in the 80s and it does have a little bit of sleaze to it, but a lot of action, a little bit of gruesomeness too. Roadhouse kind of has it all. And like, it's not perfect. I gave it three stars, but if you haven't seen Roadhouse, I would recommend it. Uh, just with the caveat that if you're going into Roadhouse, do not expect some polished masterpiece of a film. Go into it for the fun. Like, think you're going to have a good time and 
Mr. Dalton is going to show you the ropes. <laughs> okay, so the next day, uh, a movie I watched was Fever Pitch from 2005, directed by Bobby Farrelly and Peter Farrelly. Uh, and I watched this with my uncle. My uncle comes over sometimes and I take him out to the movies and uh, I just show him a good time. But he loves the Red Sox, so he had seen this before, but I think in not a really long time. Uh, the tagline is, a comedy about the game of love. Lindsay is stuck in the middle of her relationship with Ben and his passion of the Boston Red Sox. And it stars Jimmy Fallon as Ben and Lindsay's played by Drew Barrymore. And they have great chemistry. Uh, this is like easily Jimmy Fallon's best movie performance. I'm not going to say Jimmy Fallon's cameo and almost famous, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, they, they work really good together. And he's believable as like this guy who's obsessed with the Red Sox and is a school teacher. And she's this architectural, um, I don't know, she's like a manager or something like that in a design firm. And so there's the conflict of their different jobs and how he runs his life a certain way and she's very rich and it's just different, but they work together. Uh, and Fever Pitch is actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it's based on a, uh, I don't know if it was a book, but there was a movie called Fever Pitch that was written by Nick Hornby. I haven't seen this movie yet. I have a goal to see, haha, goal, Fever, I have a goal to see Fever Pitch, the original one. Okay, it is based on a autobiographical novel by Nick Hornby. Oh, wait, weird, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I knew Nick Hornby wrote it. I didn't know it was like, yeah, based on something. But the original Fever Pitch movie from 1997 stalls Colin, Colin Firth as a football-obsessed dude, football as in soccer football. Uh, I want to watch that sometime. But the movie Fever Pitch from 2005, I do give three stars. Uh, now towards a little further in November, the 18th or so, I rewatched Citizen Ruth from 1996, directed by Alexander Payne. The tagline is, life, liberty, money, and the pursuit of happiness. She's gotta have it. Citizen Ruth is the story of Ruth Stoops, a woman who nobody even noticed until she got pregnant. Now everyone wants a piece of her. The film is a comedy about the one woman caught in the ultimate tug of war, a clash of wild, noisy, ridiculous people that rapidly dissolve into a media circus. What that summary doesn't tell you is that this is an abortion comedy, or as I, I would see it rather a pro-life versus pro-choice or anti-choice, however you want to define it, film, um, <laughs> about this woman who you look at her and her life situation and you would just say she cannot take care of a child. And so she does come into the hands of religious folks who are like, please, please, please do not abort your baby. And then people who are pro-choice who are very much like, you need to like go through with the abortion if you want to have the abortion. And then there also becomes the gamble of, well, what's Ruth's choice? And ultimately, it is a pro-choice comedy because it's about Ruth figuring things out. Something about the script in this, though, in the time of the present, which is the post-Roe v. Wade world, uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it's because the movie wants to have it both ways, and that's not really the way the world is anymore. Um, I also think Laura Dern doesn't really have a lot to do, and I don't really like how she's sort of 
it's weird. She's sort of played to be this comedic character, but I just find the whole thing of her life situation to just not be that funny because she's someone who's struggling with addiction. Um, and it's really too bad. Um, it almost works like almost, but it does have also this feel that is very much, you know, this is Alexander Payne's first feature film. So I don't know if it's the script or the directing or if it's just the whole thing, but um, I do have moments that I do like in the film. Um, I do like some of the actors and their performances. I like Swoozie Kurtz in the film, Mary Kay Place as the mother who like really is like, Ruth, baby, we will take care of you. We'll take care of your child and all this stuff. She's a, um, a pro, pro-life person. Um, uh, and then Bruce, excuse me, Burt Reynolds shows up. <laughs> what a memorable performance and also tippy hedron like it has a really good cast um but this is also a movie i could watch like next week and have like totally different feelings about i don't know i just feel like it's not necessarily defined enough in certain ways about what it's trying to say because what it's trying to say is that um we lose so much of what a woman's choice is through all of the hullabaloo. Um, but yeah, there's some just choices in the script that I just don't quite like. But Citizen Ruth from 1996, directed by Alexander Payne. I gave it two and a half stars. So yeah, it's not a loss. It's not a bad film. I just, there's some things about it I just don't quite, quite enjoy. Um, or at least didn't enjoy in that viewing. Uh, let's say that. I had not seen that movie actually. Oh boy, since probably the early 2000s, I found a copy of it. I want to say at a blockbuster because there's no way the video store I worked at as a teenager had it. Uh, I gotta say it's probably around the time that Sideways came out because I was probably like, oh, Alexander Payne, I want to check out his other movies. Uh, we'll get to Sideways shortly. Uh, but on November 23rd, another movie I rewatched was House of Gucci from 2021, directed by... Ridley Scott. The tagline is a legacy worth killing for. The true story of how Patrizia Reggiani plotted to kill her husband, Maurizio Gucci, the grandson of the renowned fashion designer Guccio Gucci. Okay, I know this movie is like flawed, but I find so much of it really fascinating and extremely entertaining. Uh, there's a coldness to this movie that I don't quite like like it feels a little distance from the scenarios and even the performers but lady gaga as patrizia she is like eating the scenery not chewing she's eating it swallowing it spitting it back out she's fantastic like lover or hater i think she's great i wish the movie was on her level and just a little bit more hammy and like involved and obsessed like you feel it from her you get her all the way Adam Driver is fine as Maurizio. That's a role that doesn't really need to be so showy because ultimately he's the victim in this story. And then we have Al Pacino as Aldo Gucci. He's like every scene he shows up and you're just like, oh my God, I'm so glad he's here. Uh, controversial take. I think Jared Leto is good in this movie as Paolo Gucci. It's me, Paolo Gucci. Um, I think he's so, so bad he's good. Or maybe he's so good he's good. I don't know. I just find it, like, funny that people really, really hate him in this performance. Like, I'm a Jerry Little hater, like, most of the week. But, like, on the one day I watch House of Gucci, that is a pro Jared Little day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, the movie also has Rodolfo Gucci, played by Jeremy Irons. And then Salma Hayek as Giuseppina Pina Armlema. She's a fortune teller that 
Patrizia gets hooked up with and them together like I have to assume there was like deleted scenes where they're just hanging out and drinking wine and talking shit about men and stuff like that um their chemistry Lady Gaga and Salma Hayek like give them a road picture or something like that it can be serious it can not be serious I don't care they're so good together so I like I said I think this is a flawed film it's not perfect but I get so much enjoyment out of this movie it's like shot in beautiful places everybody's beautiful and wonderful <laughs> i mean beauty is you know and you're not gonna say jared little's beautiful in this but whatever um i just think it's like this fantasy world and then like the downfall of that fantasy and what you know hardships are encountered when these people are struggling with the money for the gucci family okay um but i give it three and a half stars like i get so much out of this movie even when it is not like a particularly strong movie um and i do think it's a crime that lady gaga was not nominated for best actress anyway uh, a couple days later on the 25th i rewatched sideways from alexander payne from 2004 uh the tagline is in search of wine in search of women in search of themselves Two middle-aged men embark on a spiritual journey through Californian wine country. One is an unpublished novelist suffering from depression, and the other is only days away from walking down the aisle. I love this movie. I love the observations about people, about their habits, about relationships, uh, and I just think Paul Giamatti is just fucking incredible in this movie. Now, granted, he's really good in the holdovers, but Miles, his character in this movie is just so layered and fascinating and fun. And like, he's a guy that if you met him in person, you'd think he was miserable and you wouldn't want to know him. But there's stuff going on that this movie lets you in on. And it's a little like behind the curtain, like, you know, this is what's going on. And he is not a perfect person. He is flawed. He does things that are very unlikable, but you can't help but want to kind of root for Miles. Because on the flip side, there's Jack, who's played by Thomas Hayden Church, who sucks. And that's his friend. And you're like, God damn it, Miles, you could have anybody else as a friend and they would treat you better. Man. Okay. <laughs> and then there's Maya, who's played by Virginia Mads Madsen. Um, she's a love interest, but she's just such a raw, like, lovely person who... Um, you just know is like wanting to see the good in people and when she looks at miles she sees the good and she just you know she can relate to him she can find something in him to you know enjoy as far as company and who knows what else um i just love this movie so much gave it four stars maybe could have given it five stars maybe maybe another rewatch it'd been a long time since i had seen this i saw it in the theater when it first came out uh, I did get the DVD and then it disappeared. I don't know where my DVD went. I couldn't find it because I was actually house sitting when I rewatched it. So I went to my library. My library only had a full screen copy. I rented it anyway. I was like, I want to watch it. Um, and then I open up the DVD case and the DVD inside of the full screen case is widescreen. So perfect whatever i would have watched it if it was full screen anyway but sideways from 2004 directed by alexander payne um it's just a great movie like these people are real people and the crazy thing is it's like it's an adaptation of a book that was unpublished before the screenplay was even made so like it was like the book came out and then the book was like you know available but um it's written by rex pickett i should get that book i should read it 
uh, great. I love it. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> in the month of December for rewatches. Oh gosh, where do we start? Let's go to December 3rd. I rewatched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989. I went to my local theater. They were showing it for Christmas time. I bought tickets ahead of time. I was like, I'm going. I'm taking the day off from work. I'm going to make the time. It was a Sunday because I usually work Sunday afternoons. But um, from 1989, directed by Jeremy S. Chechik. The tagline is, you'll crack up. It's Christmas time. And the Griswolds are preparing for a family seasonal celebration. But things number never runs smoothly for Clark, his wife Ellen, and their two kids. Clark's continual bad luck is worsened by his obnoxious family guests, but he manages to keep going, knowing that this Christmas bonus, his Christmas bonus, is due soon. Chevy Chase, of course, plays Clark. Beverly D'Angelo plays Ellen. And then the kids this time are played by Juliette Lewis as Audrey and Johnny Galecki, excuse me, Johnny Galecki, as Rusty. And as you may know, we do have Randy Quaid here as Cousin Eddie. Don't need to repeat anything he says, but I think this movie's funny. I enjoy it. I gave it three stars. And I think actually the first time I ever saw it, it was in the theater when they were showing it some years ago. But yeah, uh, it's not like my favorite Christmas movie, but I do think it's funny. And uh, the strife of middle America. Gotta get those bonuses. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the following day, I actually went ahead, um, on, well, December 4th, I rewatched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, from 2023, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. The tagline is, discovering who you are is a journey that lasts a lifetime. When our family moves from the city to the suburbs, 11-year-old Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginning of adolescence. It's just a lovely film. Rachel McAdams is so great as Margaret's mother. Uh, the character name is Barbara and Kathy Bates as Grandma Sylvia. Just terrific. A fun, lovely film for preteens, but it will touch your heart at any age. I think it's great. Gave it four stars. Uh, <laughs> on December 7th, I rewatched Josie and the Pussycats from 2001, directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. The tagline is, they were three small-time girls with big-time dreams. Now, fate is giving them the pussycats, the chance of a lifetime. Josie, Melody, and Val are three small-town girl musicians determined to take their rock band out of their garage and straight to the top while remaining true to their look, style, and sound. They get a record deal, which brings fame and fortune, but soon realize they are the pawns of two people who want to control the youth of America. They must clear their names, even it means losing fame fortune i had not seen this movie since it first came out like on vhs when i worked at the video store back in the day and so re-watching it i was like okay i'm just gonna have an open mind because i didn't like it back then but unfortunately i still don't like this movie i don't think it's very funny i think the script kind of sucks um the songs are good i like the songs i like the general angle for what this is but it just doesn't quite doesn't quite satisfy for me um yeah and rachel e cook is good as Josie, Rosario Dawson, as, uh, she's Val, yeah, okay, and then Tara Reed is Melody, um, it's a good cast movie, like, Alan Cummings in it, Parker Posey, but it just doesn't quite, yeah, it doesn't work for me, and it's, it's too bad, I know people really love this movie, too, it's had this, like, reevaluation and resurgence, kind of been popular on, like, the lowest 
not like the cult scene necessarily for film but just like people like this movie i'm just sadly not one of those people i gave it two stars so that's kind of me ripping off the bandaid on that one just because i was i was like oh man people are giving this movie like five stars on my letterbox and like a lot of people um and i get it i get why people like this movie but i just don't think there's much there there's like some minor commentary but it doesn't doesn't quite work for me so let's move on on december 16th i rewatched the movie night watch from 1997 directed by ola there is no tagline a law student takes a job at a night watchman as a night watchman at a morgue and begins discovering clues that implicate him as a suspect in a series of murders uh i had not seen this movie much like josie and the pussycat since my days working at a video store as a teenager um in the 90s like late 90s or so um my sisters and i were kind of in our ewan mcgregor is so hot phase where we would watch anything he was in this was one of those movies i remember not liking it very much back then and i did not like it very much again this time uh it's just not really interesting um the stuff to do with like ewan mcgregor working in this morgue is just kind of like average like predictable stuff um luckily we do have like brad dorif coming into the scene of the film to like creep you out just a little bit but it's not that interesting um and it's too bad it does have a like good cast patricia arquette as the girlfriend nick nolte as an investigator josh brolin as like a buddy um there's little things here and there that are very misogynistic like josh brolin um treats this one woman he interacts with so terribly it's like so abusive and like horrible um but that's because he's a piece of shit character so that's what you're supposed to gather from that um and it is a little creepy and it does have good atmosphere but the story just isn't there and the editing isn't great it does feel like a movie that was kind of hacked up into pieces and it shouldn't surprise you it's weinstein produced so it probably is but that's night watch from 1997 directed by ole Bornald uh two stars for that one as i said uh then moving ahead oh my gosh i rewatched a lot of movies uh, <laughs> um on december 18th i rewatched asteroid city from 2023 directed by wes anderson i don't really need to say much about that one uh i will read the summary uh set in a fictional american desert town circa 1955 the itinerary of junior stargazers slash space cadet convention organized to bring together students and parents from across the country for a fellowship and scholarly competition is spectacularly disrupted by world changing events uh this is a lovely film i give this four stars on my second watch first time was three and a half and it improved just a little bit um it's just such a wonderful story about youth and uh adults trying to just get through the day because they've got grief and issues and things they can't quite overcome on their own and learning to support each other and find things in each other that they maybe didn't know they had you know a bit how shall i say uh people and people interacting and seeing things in each other they also then find to see see in themselves themselves i guess i'm fumbling my wording but it's just wonderful um i love this movie jason schwartzman and scarlett johansson are really good together and then you've got tom hanks people like jeffrey wright tilda swinton leah schreiber hope davis yeah it's a it's a great cast um like not like a 
it's not like every other Wes Anderson movie. I know people look at it and just like, oh, well, it's scenery and this and that. But there's some other stuff going on as far as like talking about plays and things. And uh, it's great. I love it. Four stars for Asteroid City from 2023, directed by Wes Anderson. And I do just want to say if this movie does not get nominated for cinematography or production design, what are we even doing? Terrible. I mean, for the Oscars. I mean, I don't really care about the Oscars, but uh, it's an immaculate and it's an amazing movie. <laughs> Guys, I have some bad news. I watched Barbie again. <laughs> Barbie uh, got another watch on December 21st. Don't need to say anything other than it's directed by Greta Gerwig. And I loved Barbie. So that was the fifth time I'd seen Barbie. Because <laughs> it's on Max, like HBO now, and it was on TV one night when I was folding laundry and it was like... Uh, are we going to do this? Yeah, we're going to do this. I love Barbie. It's so much fun. But also on the 21st, I rewatched Die Hard. Okay, from 19, excuse me, 1988, directed by John McTiernan. The tagline is 40 stories, 12 terrorists, one cop, NYPD cop. John McLean's plan to reconcile with his estranged wife is thrown for a series serious loop when minutes after he arrives at her office, the entire building is overtaken by a group of terrorists. With a little help from the LAPD, wisecracking McLean sets out to single-handedly rescue the hostages and bring the bad guys down. Don't need to say anything else about it other than it starts with Christmas music and it ends with Christmas music so it is a Christmas movie if you think otherwise you're a fool so um yeah Die Hard's one of the great films um out there action wise it's really fun Bruce Willis is terrific and it's great uh on December 23rd I rewatched Gremlins from 1984 directed by Joe Dante the tagline is don't get him wet keep him out of the bright light and never feed him after midnight when Billy Peltzer is given a strange but adorable pet named Gizmo for Christmas, he inadvertently breaks the three important rules for caring for a mogwai and unleashes a horde of mischievous gremlins on a small town. Gremlins is a lot of fun. Uh, it's a little dark, a little scary. Uh, it is a good time. I give this three and a half stars, um, and there's a reason why I gave it three and a half. You'll find out shortly. Um, but it's a fun film, and it's not really for children per se, but it's a good time great effects love the puppetry love that stuff um <laughs> on the 25th christmas day oh my man i uh my christmas this year was kind of funny it was a lot of just sitting around because people came over in the morning and then they left and then they were going to come over for dinner at like five o'clock so there was a span of like five hours where I just had like not much of anything to do and my family doesn't really do gifts anymore we do like a fun game um other than like I think my parents have now actually settled on like well everybody gets one gift and then we play the fun game so I did get a nice bottle of perfume from my parents for Christmas it was lovely um and then we do some other exchanges but anyway uh I rewatched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory on Christmas Day watched that with my uncle because we had seen Wonka in the theater and I said um there's another Willy Wonka movie would you want to see that and he was like yeah Mel I'll watch that so from 1971 directed by Mel Stewart the tagline is it's scrum 
eccentric candy candy man Willy Wonka prompts a worldwide frenzy when he announces that golden tickets hidden inside five of his delicious candy bars will admit their lucky holders into his top secret confectionery. But does Wonka have an agenda hidden amid a world of Oompa Loompas and Chocolate Rivers? Of course he does. Starring Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, he is the Willy Wonka in my opinion. I don't care about the other movies so much in their Wonkas, even though I do think Timothy Chalamet is fine as Wonka in the new one. It's just a lovely, glorious film. Production design is fantastic. It's also, like, very vibrant and beautiful, even when you're not in the factory. It's one of those older movies that has a great color scheme to it and feel, and I appreciate so much of this movie, not just the general story, but also the little bits in here and there of, like, the the lady whose husband has disappeared, and give me, I'll give them anything they want. I want just want my Harold back, and it's like, they want your Wonka boss. They want your box of Wonka boss, lady, for your husband. Uh, I think those little touches in the movie just give it such a special flair that you'd never see in movies at all it just makes it so unique and when I was a kid I was always like these parts are weird and now as an adult as an adult I watch those parts and I'm like these are so brilliant and fun uh it's four stars for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for me from 1971 and as I said with Gremlins gave it three and a half why because Gremlins 2 the new batch which I also watched on Christmas Day <laughs> might have been at night uh that's a four star movie for me from 1990 again directed by Joe Dante here they grow again. Young sweethearts Billy and Kate move to the Big Apple land jobs in high tech office in a high tech office park and soon reunite with the friendly and lovable Gizmo. But a series of accidents creates a whole new generation of gremlins. The situation worsens when the devilish green creatures invade a top secret laboratory and develop genetically altered powers, making them even harder to destroy. Oh man, Gremlins 2 is so much fun. Uh, especially considering how, <laughs> how things have changed in the world and who, um, has kind of influenced the, uh, Mr. Clamp sort of realm with the building and stuff. Uh, Daniel Clamp is played by John Glover and he's really good. He's not very, I'll say the word, he's not extremely Trumpy, but it's a Trump influenced kind of, um, environment with the Clamp building. Uh, but it's a good time. I think it's so much fun. I love the effects in this. I think it's got a good pace. It's like a little creepy. It's funny. The commentary and satire in it is just great. Like on nail on the head. Fantastic movie. I love Gremlins 2, The New Batch from 1990, directed by Joe, Joe Dante. That's a four star film for me. Uh, <laughs> and what was okay oh my gosh the last recap well it's what i watched last night <laughs> for new year's eve um i was like i i have after i got home from work i was like i have enough time to watch a new movie and then maybe something short so i didn't know what i was gonna watch i was joking on twitter like i'll watch some sleaze on tubi because tubi has a lot of tubi has a lot of sleazy movies for you sleaze hounds out there uh <laughs> And so I go on Tubi and I didn't really see anything I wanted to watch. I'm searching around. And then I I saw a movie on Tubi that reminded me of another movie. And the movie that I saw on Tubi that I didn't want to watch reminded me of Death Spa from 1988. <laughs> Why would I watch this as the last movie of the year? Well, I just wanted something really strange and goofy that... Um, <laughs> 
be something to just, you know, throw on. Whatever. The tagline is, you'll sweat blood. And Death Spot is directed by Michael Fisher. <laughs> Uh, Michael's health club is besieged with a series of terrible murders involving killer saunas and other grisly devices. Michael's wife killed herself a while before, and her brother holds Michael's her brother holds Michael responsible. Michael needs to stop the bloodshed before he loses all his clients. And Michael is played by William Bumheller, and it really doesn't matter like who is in this movie. Ken Foray is in this movie, and he's good, but he has too small of a part, in my opinion. Uh, but Death Spot. Why Death Spot? There's a lot of crazy, silly killings in this movie, and it's pretty short. It's only 88 minutes long, so I fired up Shudder. I was like, do they have Death Spot? They sure do. Actually, it's on Tubi as well. Or maybe I picked Shudder because Shudder has no commercials. Anyway, Death Spot. That was the last movie I watched for the end of 2023 uh the first time i watched death spa was years and years ago i think it was because they did it on how did this get made i'm pretty sure that's why and it's silly like really silly it's funny there's this one scene where like this girl like jokes about putting her hand in the blender and then you're just like yeah Lydia, she's really gonna have her hand in the blender <laughs> whoa um <laughs> this health spa like this entire set and like everything and how it's designed None of it resembles an actual spa. None of it. <laughs> it's a really bad set. Um, the offices that are supposed to be like where they do the mainframe of like operating the spa like and lights and who knows what. Uh, it looks like it could be like, I don't know, where Homer Simpson works in like the power plant. <laughs> but like an 80s version of it, like so cheap and so bad. This movie isn't good. I gave it two stars. And it's funny because like, after I rated it, I looked at, like, Letterbox, and I have so many friends who gave it, like, three stars, four stars. Guys, you don't need to do that. This movie's good. <laughs> but maybe people really love Death Spa, and I'm just, like, missing the boat on it. But, um, yeah, that was the last movie I watched in 2023. <laughs> and it's so funny because the poster for it has this, like, dead lady's head on this woman with, like, massive cleavage who's on, like, a is it a treadmill or a stairmaster? I don't know. And then this guy is like in an arm machine and he's like not bleeding, but he's like on fire or something and his arms are like spread apart and he's like, ah, death spot. It's just, it's ridiculous. I needed something crazy and I got it with that. And that is the rewatch recap for the end of 2023 for the months of October, November, and December. Yeah, that was a lot of movies. <laughs> let me count just to like let you know. So I did watch Barbie twice and so Death Spa, that's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Oh my goodness. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 rewatches. That's a lot. I mean, I did have that film festival, but damn, that is a lot. And how come I have not thought of the other witch movie for the Coolidge Marathon? I feel like a failure. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pause the podcast and 
I'm going to figure it out. So hold on one second. Okay, okay. I figured it out. What movie it was. It was The House of the Devil. Ah, no wonder. I know people were like, oh, yeah, yeah, The House of the Devil. No, I had a bus to catch. I was perfectly fine leaving before that movie was open. So I was not going to rewatch it because I wasn't a fan of that one. But anyway, um, that is the episode, the rewatch recap episode. You can look forward to a new episode with new movies watched, new movies and old movies all seen for the first time uh, next week on Cinema 5000. But I am Mallory. Thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, it was great as far as a year of watching movies collectively for me with 2023. Like, rewatching is always a good time. As you heard, there were very few movies I did not like when I rewatched this time ago around so that's great that's fantastic yay uh but yeah next week what's coming um i think i will be able to see the iron claw which is great because that's a newer movie uh directed by sean durkin and i like two of his movies martha martha marcy may marlene and i do like the nest i haven't watched the show he has directed some episodes of the TV show miniseries of sorts for Dead Ringers with Rachel Weisz. Uh, I think I would like that. I should watch that because Sean Durkin's a very moody director. Like there's always like a layer of like dread and awfulness there that I think, you know, is really creative and great. Other than that, I don't know what I'm going to go see because uh, yeah, I don't really have a plan for this week in movies. Uh, I do have I think at least one movie that's a 2023 release as a digital rental right now. Hmm. You'll have to wait and hear about that. But uh, yeah, I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to follow on the artist formerly known as Twitter, which is now X, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) The uh, handle is Cinema5K. It's also the same on Instagram. Posting pictures on there. There's also the Cinema 5000 podcast page on Facebook, which you can catch out. Or if you just want to send me an email, send it to cinema5kpod at gmail.com. Questions, comments, queries, anything you want to send my way. Thank you again so much for listening. And I hope 2024 is great to you for movies. I sure hope it is for me. <laughs> Alrighty, bye.